And I'm sorry I sound like crap, but you actually, you hopefully actually next don't, time. You don't sound that bad, I don't think. Or, or you sound as bad as you normally do. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. You could restore. Hi, and welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, and with me is Prasanna Maliande. How's it going, Prasanna? Pretty good, Curtis. How are you doing down there in San Diego? Doing all right. I, I, I was a little concerned there for you for a day. You were not sounding good. Have you recovered from your... <laughs> from your? Uh, if you kind of can tell, I'm still a little congested, and you might hear me coughing. That's not a dying horse <laughs> in the background. That's me. You know, uh, it's funny. I recorded a podcast with uh, Stephen Manley yesterday, and he dialed in as persona dead horse. <laughs> that was the that was yeah. the, the login that he chose. And I was like, that. I was like, I, I think uh-huh. he was kind of hoping you would dial in and see that, but. So yeah, so you were you were not you were not very functional there for a few days. No, I was not very functional. I'm still a little groggy, but alive. And so I apologize to all my listeners. You don't have my wonderful voice that you normally hear, but you have this. So I uh, I just drove back from uh, where was I? Beverly Hills. I I had uh, actually a Druva event last night at uh, Spago in Beverly Hills, which is Wolfgang Puck's restaurant. Ooh, how it was, was it? actually both the meal and the event were very good. Uh, it was very well attended by a, a lot of high level, like CIOs in the, you know, the LA greater LA area. Um, and it was, uh, it's the first one of a new series and with a new slide deck and all that stuff. But so I just say all, all in was, it was, it was great. Um, but I will say uh, a call out to my Southern California listeners I, um, there, there was this donut shop that I had heard about. Uh, it's literally just called the donut man and it's in Glendora, which if you're not familiar with LA, let's just say it's, you can't get there from here. It is a, it is very Northeast of LA. It's like North of Pasadena for those that are familiar with where Pasadena is. And we had watched this, uh, thing. And again, this is about, for those of you that have heard Lily on the podcast, this was about Lily. She is gluten intolerant, and uh, they mentioned that they use potato flour for their pancakes. So uh, my wife went went with me, and we went from Oceanside, California, where I live, up to Beverly Hills via Glendora, which, for the record, I left my house at 2. I pulled into Beverly Hills at 6. Oh, my gosh. And that was quite the circle. And for the record, the donuts are not (laughs) gluten-free. And we're... (laughs) So we just did this giant trip to get a couple of donuts. Um, You know, you know, that drive they just did was probably what, 120 miles. Oh, oh, I'd say well over that. Yeah. Or 200. That amount of time you took was the same amount of time it takes me to go from LA to San Jose. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't even, don't even. Just so you can appreciate LA traffic. It was, it was quite the mess. (laughs) Uh, anyway, so, uh, speaking, uh, I mentioned Druva, let me uh, remind, uh, everyone, uh, although Persona and I do both work for Druva, this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. Uh, they're actually Curtis's. They're, oh, they're, so, <laughs> I tell Persona what to say. 
Um, <clears throat> so speaking of, so what I wanted to do, I, I, I did a lot of thinking about this, the acquisition of Veeam by Insight Partners. And we, for those that haven't listened to last week's podcast, please stop now and go back and listen to the uh, last week's podcast. And it was, I think the title was something like in, an investor's perspective on the Veeam acquisition, uh, because we had a special guest on, a, a, a private investor who understands this world. And um, he offered an investor's perspective. And I've spent, since that recording, I've spent you know, even more time understanding the world of private equity because I haven't really uh, spent much time with, with those folks. And also doing a little bit more research into Insight, specifically the assets that they currently have in their portfolio. And, uh, and so I thought a part two was, was, uh, was in order. So one thing. So do you want, before you, before you jump into that, do you want to just tell them kind of what transpired with that acquisition? Yeah. So, um, recap. Yeah. A recap was that, um, some time ago, Insight Partners invested $500 million in Veeam. And a lot of people that raised a lot of eyebrows because they're a private equity firm and, uh, a lot of people know what private equity firms tend to do, and um, they and then uh, just recently, last week, they announced that they were acquiring them for five billion dollars, which, for the record, was a five x multiple on roughly a billion dollars uh, annual billion dollars of revenue, and um, they're going to move the headquarters to U.S., which I think is definitely an asset um, for. Uh, for Veeam because they found the fact that they were a Russian-owned, Switzerland-based company. Uh, they found that a challenge when working with the federal government. When they acquired into WS, um, who had a bunch of federal customers, they all complained and they ended up having to divest themselves from into WS. Um, and so I think that this idea of moving it to become a, a U.S.-based company is definitely a uh, in the positive for Veeam, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it is interesting though. Um, I, I think it was a combination of the Russian-owned, Switzerland-based uh, combination, right? Um, that 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 the that the U.S. government would have had an issue with. I, I think if it was say French-owned, it, it wouldn't have been as big of an issue. Would Would you think? Probably not. I think, although I guess it depends also on the size that they get to. I think maybe another worrisome thing was until last year, Veeam right. had taken no money, right? <laughs> right, no outside funding. So that might have also been concerning, maybe. Why would that be a concern for the government? I don't know. I just wonder, even though you are that large of a company, you don't need to, no one's ever seen your books. Right. Yeah, that's that's the concern, <laughs> right? Is um, you know, you're a private privately held company with Russian money, <laughs> you know, um or some part Russian money. They were actually at one point headquartered in Russia, right? And then they moved I they moved I believe yeah, then they moved, they moved to, to Switzerland, Switzerland to to address that yeah. concern, but the fact that they were still part Russian owned was apparently not um one of which of course was the the founder um, I think both, they're right? Both, are yeah, from they're Russia. both from they're both from Russia. Uh, Ratmir was the the main one that I knew. I didn't know the other founder very very well, but so I I have a 
slightly different opinion than, you know, with respect to Matt, uh, who knows way more about the investment world than I do. Um, I think he was, um, I, I think he was being nice, uh, to this idea of a private equity firm and what they do with, with companies, not that, not that they're evil or that they're, or that this is a horrible thing for, um, for Veeam. But I, I think my, my view based on my <laughs> incredible research that I've done in a week's time, I, I have a slightly different view based on the articles that I've read, for example. And so the, the first thing that I would say, and and tell me tell me what you think of this persona, is a, as far as I can tell, PE companies buy struggling companies. That's what they do. They don't buy companies that are growing 30, 40% a year. They buy companies that are struggling. They buy companies, I would say, that haven't achieved their potential and that they see that they can't make money. But like you said, correctly it's not companies that are growing say 10x 100x yeah it's it's struggling is a struggling right. is a relative term so they're yeah. struggling to achieve their goals that doesn't necessarily mean struggling like i oh, were going to go out of business it's just you know like as i mentioned the information that i had was that veeam's growth had slowed to about 10 percent, and that while they were a billion dollar uh, or are a billion dollar company they felt that they should be more than that right and that they felt that the only way to get from A to B was to take significant investment. And they, they took the, the $500 million, which is <laughs> definitely a significant investment. Uh, but then I think in the end, Insight basically felt that for whatever reason, that the best way to accomplish those goals, uh, I think that it basically Insight was given enough access to the books that they saw you know, what they wanted to see. And then they decided to make this acquisition and they, um, they felt that they could make money with that acquisition. Hang on. I got to pause. It's Jesse. Jesse's calling me. You're on speaker, by the way. Hi, Jesse. Oh, now Persona can talk? He's mad at you because you didn't make our recording yesterday. Yeah. And now conveniently his voice is back today. He was worried between me and Steven and Prem that he would not get a word in edgewise. <laughs> Which, which I think is a pretty valid concern. I, I didn't want to uh, blow off your call, but I am trying to record a podcast here. Are we done here? We're done here. Okay. All right. Bye. I wonder if we should put that in the podcast. I think you totally should. So there was a, there's a, a, a I think a, a good article that, uh, you know, anyone interested in the world should read. It's from Inc.com and it's called the six things a private equity firm will do after they buy your business. So the first two things that they say here um, yeah. have to do with the founders. And one is they want to keep you around and the others that you'll be fired, which sound like competing ideas. And the, But the idea is they, they, they no longer want to have you run the company. They're going to run the company. They just spent, in this case, $5 billion, and they want to turn that into $10 billion or some you know similar number. And... They and 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 they don't want they don't want to have arguments with you over, <laughs> over how they're going to do that. So you're fired, but don't go anywhere, right? So they will give you some incentive to advise them on, uh, you know, you're an, you become an advisor, you become a board member, or what you know, whatever. Uh, and that's and that's already taken place with um, 
the original founders of Veeam, right? And I'm sure at mm-hmm. some point they might stick around mm-hmm. for a year or whatever it is if they have golden handcuffs and then move on and probably start a new company. <laughs> what are golden handcuffs, Persona? So typically when a company gets acquired for some folks, they want them to stick around because when you acquire a company, part of it is also bringing the people over and the knowledge. And so in order to keep senior people and the folks you really need to keep, you usually give them golden handcuffs, which are incentives to stay a certain amount of time. So for instance, you might say, hey, we will pay you $100,000 or give you X amount of options if you stay for one or two years after the acquisition, just so people don't just jump. And then after that, you're kind of free to leave. Um, Yeah. And you may or may not stay around depending on how much value they think you (laughs) you have to the company. They may give you more golden handcuffs. They may, they may send you gently into that good night. And some of it's also perception because for these engineers, seeing their, former CEO just kind of jump ship all of a sudden, it's probably going to be a little like, hey, should I be leaving or not? Yeah, a lot of them have a very um, a very loyal following to their founder in, in general, right? Especially the, the especially the early on engineers, right? Yeah. yeah, tech firms. That's a tech firm thing. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the next one here. And that is, it says that they will buy, they will uh, buy debt on the business. A lot of debt, they're saying four to five times EBITDA. B-I-T-D-A, which I don't even know what that acronym stands for. Do you? This is the earnings before something. Uh, Earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization is a measure of a company's operating performance. Essentially, it's a way to evaluate a company's performance without having to factor in financing, accounting, and tax environments. Okay. So you can tell I haven't bought a lot of companies. They're saying they will they will put a lot of debt. Now the question is, why do we care? Uh, as as a as an external person, as a customer, why would you care? I, I would just say that having that much debt it changes how a company operates. If you if you're a company like Veeam that went from having no debt to suddenly having um, you know four to five times your earning, which in this case would be five billion dollars. Um, it changes how that company has to operate, right? Um, and I, I don't, I don't. I mean, we we have debt, right? We have investors, and it affects how we operate, right? And so, a lot of it also comes back to what you end up focusing on. When you don't have the debt, when you don't have that pressure to bring back money, you tend to look towards okay, what can either. Your strategy changes in terms of what direction you go because you can take a bit more risk and you can think right, about things right. which may not have a payoff in the next year, but might be something that pays off in, say, two or three yeah, years that, yeah. versus you have to deliver something for this quarter because someone's breathing down your neck. The other thing that can also happen is sort of a consolidation of products like you might have had 10 products out there. And now because of the debt, you now can't fund everything. So you're now going to be focused on, say, two or three of those areas, which, to be honest, may not be a bad thing. But given where Veeam started with and Veeam didn't necessarily have this portfolio of products, I'm assuming that this debt will now just cause them to focus on certain key features and maybe focus on bringing more money back into the business, which might also lead to more focus on, say, their virtualization side rather than looking at other orthogonal areas they could focus on. That's a big word, mister. 
It's the medicines. <laughs> it's the medicines. So it's interesting, the, the comments that you, you made, it, it sort of segues into the next thing that they mentioned, which is PE firms will kill your company's sacred cows early on. And what, they, what they're describing here is things that from the outside don't look like they're adding any value to your business, right? And so they mentioned things like company cars, sports tickets, private planes, uh, real estate, uh, that you may have purchased for various reasons, uh, those are all going to go away, right? Because those things don't look good from an investor perspective. Uh, they don't. They don't add value to the company. And but one of those things may be product lines, right? If you're a tech company and you have ten product lines and one of them uh, isn't adding any revenue, you know, you've had product X, right? We we've had products where we've come out with those products. And we ended up deciding that, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take that product off because we developed a product that apparently no one was interested in, or at least not enough people were interested in. I would say in that, uh, in that respect, it's also products which you had put a focus, but realized it would take so much additional focus to build it out to where oh, that, it could Yeah, that's a really good. And the market would move beyond that faster than what you could build, so then you might go and look at things like, can I purchase a company and other things, which also becomes harder once you're in a PE is mergers and acquisitions also get right. So you're not typically. going to be buying, you know, significant companies. Probably not. They may, they may, you know, they, they talked about, um, you know, Matt mentioned about bolt-ons. It is possible. Right. Um, uh, and you look at uh, that actually happened in the world of Commvault and, but that was one where that completely changed the focus of that business, right? You you had a company that was 100% focused on data protection and then boom, they acquired a storage company. Now they're a, now they're a storage company. They're not a data protection company yeah. anymore. They are a storage company that also does data. And sometimes that's what you have to do if you need to get out and there's no way you can organically do that. I've been in companies where it was nearly impossible mm -hmm. to build something internally within the company and the only way to actually get into a new market or to change direction was to actually go and acquire another company right right so so i guess what what i'm saying is that although matt didn't seem to think so uh, i think there's a potential that certain parts of the veeam product line could be negatively impacted i don't know for a fact i don't i don't know anything about their internal books so i don't know when you look at all of the various products that they have I don't know if any of them were sort of pet projects of, you know, Ratmir and and they weren't really making any money. But if, if those do exist, I would expect them to go by the wayside. Yeah. And the other thing also you can imagine is it might not even be just existing products, but even roadmap features right. or features they were thinking about right. could now be canceled. Right. Now, again, that might not impact you if you're a Veeam virtualization customer and you're happy with that product. And clearly it's a product that's making a lot of money for them. It won't impact you, but it might impact further products or further development of that product. It might That product might not be developed as awesome as you would like. Uh, the next one that they list is that PE firms will sweat your assets. So it's interesting that the first couple of sentences in this paragraph, they mentioned that entrepreneurs tend to focus on their P&L statements, profit and loss, where, you know, but they don't, they, they tend to ignore their balance sheet. And as a person who started a small company and ran a small company, that's absolutely what I did. I focused on the P&L and not the balance sheet. To me, the balance sheet didn't mean anything because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be acquired. But if you're a, if you are a PE company, you focus like 
not 100%, but you have significant focus on the balance sheet because the balance sheet is what you will then use to uh, sell that company to someone else, whether you take it public or you sell it to someone else who's interested in but paying more for it than you paid for it. So they they talk about things about like, um, you know, taking loan to pay suppliers. They talk about selling off. They talk about reducing inventory. This isn't, that's not really a case with this kind of company. Uh, turning any hard assets you might have like buildings or equipment into cash. Uh, so if, for example, uh, and I would be surprised if Veeam has a, a significant like IT infrastructure given the, the world of the cloud, but um, if they did have a data center, a PE company would be like, yeah, that data center is going, uh, you're going to move everything to the cloud because that increases the balance sheet. The the other thing I wonder that also falls under this is even just if, I, I don't know if Veeam has multiple sites or locations where they develop, but I could even see maybe even consolidation and trying to eliminate some of those costs as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they said they also generally uh, lease rather than uh, purchase pretty much anything. So if you've got buildings that are, if you've got buildings that you own, they will sell those buildings uh, to someone else and lease them back, right? I've, I've seen that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the the next one, but they talk about paying themselves special distributions. Uh, they prioritize cash because one of the reasons they prioritize cash is because the sooner they can get the money out of the business, the more quickly they can begin to play with house money. Uh, I, I like, I, I, I do very little gambling, but one of the most fun things in gambling is if you're able to win your initial investment back investment is a weird word in gambling, but you know what I mean? The initial amount of money that you, that you gambled, if you're able to get that back, you're then playing with the house's money. There's no more fun than that. And, and that's what they're saying is if they're able through distributions to get some of their investment back out, and then they're playing with the house house money that, that that's a goal of theirs as well. And and I guess that's just another thing that potentially it means that you're not dealing with as much cash as perhaps you thought you were, which again could potentially limit. I think one of the big things too, just thinking about all this kind of holistically, it's also if you think about what are the motivations or what are what uh-huh. drives each of these uh entities. Right. If I'm the founder, it's my baby, right? Veeam or the company is my baby. I'm putting my blood, sweat, and tears. I want it to be successful. If I'm a PE company, though, I want it to be successful, but in a different way. I want it to be successful so I can pull the money out of the business, not necessarily to see the business. Yeah, there, there's a there's a good paragraph here at the end that says, let's be clear, PE firms aren't bad. This is just the way their business works. And the best ones will actually find a balance between those factors involved with the business versus the money, but don't mistake their ultimate loyalty. It's to the money, not the business. Whenever the business isn't aligned with the money, they will side with the money. So before you sell to a PE firm, do your homework, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it, it, it's definitely a different way of doing business. So I, I think that while it yeah. may not ultimately, the effects may not ultimately be seen directly by a, a customer, I think saying that it won't change the company is I I don't see how that's possible because the whole point of a PE company is to change the company. Yep. And as you also saw, they brought in a new CEO and they brought in a new, I think, uh, CTO, I believe. Yes. Because those were the two founders, right? So the CTO and CEO were founders. Yeah. And so they will be replacing those. And they also promoted yep. someone. And yeah. I think that's a CTO okay. who got promoted. Right. Um, so, and so all these things, of course, are going to change the dynamics of the company. 
even though they may not say, but this always happens, right? People who are loyal to the previous uh, CEO and folks would now consider, hey, what should I be doing? And also the new people who come in would also want to look and say, okay, should I bring in my own people who can help grow the business? This always happens, right? People kind of follow each other around and you bring in your people who you know. Yeah, and again, I, 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 don't want, I don't want this to sound like we're definitely saying that it's it's bad. It's very possible that the change in focus may result in a better company in a company that adds additional value to uh, its, um, I was going to say shareholders, but that that's not to its customers, right? It may ultimately allow them by sometimes when you have a few sake for example, uh, they're preventing you from doing other things that may would bring more value to the business, right? So it's a new perspective on things and it could be a good or it could be bad, but you don't know that. I think that's the biggest thing is you don't know which way it's going to go. But it's definitely going to change. And internally, you know, yes. internally, when you make changes of this magnitude, there will be disruption, right? There will be, there will be people yep. that will say, this is the greatest thing ever, man. I'm, you know, I'm glad that guy left. And and, and the other guys will be like, who is this moron that they just put in charge? <laughs> right. The, you know, it's just um, when you make changes of that magnitude, there will be seismic yeah and it's almost one of those things where everyone kind of it's kind Mm -hmm. of like the deer and headlights deer caught in headlights where everyone kind of freezes and they're unsure what's going to happen and it takes time before and it might take two months it might take six months it might take a year before things sort of figure themselves out and people Yeah, i remember back uh this wasn't even a thing of this magnitude back but when semantic purchased veritas uh i was an external person and what i saw was a company that spun its wheels for a year and what what i saw and again i don't know if that's going to happen here but i'm just saying when you have a big acquisition uh, and a big change in management structure it can often result in significant delays and things that you were waiting on right so and what i remember saying when i finally when they finally got their feet on the ground when that happened i remember saying that they had spent an entire year painting everything black and yellow because because that's what that's what it, it looked like they had done right there hadn't been any changes in the product <laughs> or at least anything significant but everything was now branded semantic yellow yeah um and that's um and and oddly enough they that they divested later right uh that veritas spun off as a separate company again. So that didn't go well for Semantic, I don't think. Having worked in a company that was known for acquisitions when I was at EMC, I could tell you that integrating companies is very difficult. Yeah. Well, and that's not really the, that's not really the problem here, right? This is because it's not, Insight isn't going to be integrated, not the way Semantic and Veritas were. Um, This is just, there will be changes in management structure. Now, just uh, before we go, there's a couple of other things regarding this that I think are interesting. The main one of which is that Insight does own a number of backup and recovery companies. Chris Meller uh, wrote a nice article about that. You know, Insight clearly likes the backup business. We we alluded to that last week. Chris Meller of Blocks and Files. Yes, Chris Meller of Blocks and Files, also of Register Frame. And, uh, but it was the Blocks and Files article where he wrote that. But again, what we learned from Matt and what I learned from reading online, it is not a PE's sort of MO in general to buy multiple companies and then put them together. Uh, It just, it complicates their number one goal, which is to make money on the investment that they made on a particular company. 
merging companies is a long play, a much longer play, I think, than the time. Even uh, Matt mentioned that there that Insight is known for you know like five years. Even five years is is not necessarily long enough time to successfully merge you know, multiple, well, especially if you, if you, because if you look at their portfolio, they have a bunch of different companies that do different things in the backup space. They have a couple of companies that are direct competitors, but they have a, several companies that do different things in the backup space. And so theoretically, when I first looked at that, I was like, oh, well, maybe they'll put all those together in, into one super backup company. But I, I don't think that's the way PE companies work. Right. <laughs> they want to, they want to get their, be able to spin them off. And by the way, there was, there was, there was literally just a day or so ago. It looked like Insight also owned into WS still. And so it looked like Insight was the one who bought into WS back from Veeam when Veeam divested itself of it. But that was apparently incorrect. It was just like, they, I guess they sold it back to the original founders and they just, they just forgot to delete it off the website. So for those that, that have been poking around the Insight website and thinking that Insight also in, owned mm. into WS, that is not the case. But they do own a number of other backup companies, but it does, again, it does not seem that they would put those back together. They own a number of backup companies. Dude, if you, if you go to that, to the portfolio page, it takes a long time to load. Yeah. I think they have their portfolio is like $24 billion or something. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's huge. Uh, and yeah. there's, I don't know, there's at least like 75 companies on that page. It's a long yeah. list. I mean, there were close to 10 backup companies alone mm -hmm. and it's the same, the same person and same investment manager. It looks like on, on all of them. Um, and mm -hmm. so, it, so clearly they, you know, they understand and they like the backup space. Um, and so it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see from an outside perspective, what happens to Veeam over the next uh, year or two. I mean, I wish them the best of luck. I know a lot of people over there and, uh, and I hope that there's no, you know, negative ramifications for their customers. Right. And with that, I think, are we done talking about, uh, Veeam? I think we are. I think this is one of those things we will probably monitor, keep a close look on, and see where things end up. Hopefully, we wish them all the best. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everyone out there. And thank you, Persona, for your usual uh, wit and intelligence. And, and I'm sorry I sound like crap, but you actually, you hopefully actually don't, time. You don't <laughs> sound that bad, I don't think. Or, or you sound as bad as you normally do. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, make sure to you subscribe uh, to the Restore It All podcast so that you can always restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had chance to fix it instead it's all jacked up see how i'll write on facebook about you don't underestimate the things that i will do there was a file but i deleted it too bad your backup system isn't worth the space
run Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe one day it'll all work out You're sure so